Hello and welcome to episode 57 of the Elm Park Rolls podcast. My name is Paul Mann and I'm the founder of this site. Well, we have a good performance, we have goals and we have three points. Hallelujah! Christmas has come late. We finally have some positives to talk about. Helping me talk about this uh, glorious moment is uh, George Flood. Hi, George. I, I feel like we should be ringing like a victory bell or something like that. You know? <laughs> I think it should be. We get a flag out or something. There should be something amazing. It's a monumentous moment, isn't it? I've also been joined by uh, Sam Stevenson. Hi, Sam. Hello. This is a very weird feeling, isn't it? It is, isn't it? It's it's like we don't need to, because often when I'm looking up for this podcast, I'm kind of searching for a few positives to kind of find. This time, I've got a bucket load. <laughs> it's kind of, it's a nice place to be. I mean... <laughs> What did you think of that team performance, George? Just just summing it up quickly, we can go into more detail. Yeah, no, I was very pleased. I was saying to you sort of before we started, I've seen, you know, the BBC or whatever refer to it as turgid or whatever, which sort of flummoxed me a little bit. I thought we controlled the game for long spells. I thought we were we were good with the ball. We were sort of confident with it. We were patient with it. Um, and the pressing was perhaps the most pleasing aspect of the whole performance <clears> for me. Uh, we pressed high, we pressed well uh, for long periods as well. We looked like we were fit enough to do it. Um, you know, and we also showed a lot of fight that's perhaps been missing for most of the last 18 months. We sort of battled well. We we didn't back down in the face of sort of maybe a little bit of provocation, as was shown by that, uh, by the scrap that's, uh, that resulted in Danny Fox being sent off. So, yeah, overall, I was pleased. And I, I sort of said that it's another game where you can see see the blueprint um, of what Gomez is trying to achieve. You can see how quickly he's stamped what he wants to do on the team. Um, and we just need to just need to hopefully find some sort of consistency going forward now. Yeah, t- totally. It was kind of coming out of the ground with that feeling of actually winning was great. It's been so long. Yeah. Um, what, how would you sum it up, Sam, just as an overall quick view on that? Um, pretty much the same. Um, it's just really nice to see... Um, some of the same themes week in, week out now. So you're seeing, you know, the team are pressing um, every single game. You're seeing some of the same players in the same positions every single game, which we haven't seen for a long while. Um, and as a result, I think now players know their positions, know who's going to be running off them, know where everybody else is, and, and know the style of play. In such a short period of time, um, we look like a completely different team, even though we haven't really changed the personnel that much in the grand scheme of things. Um, and, and it was a really pleasing performance yesterday. Um, and yeah, it was it was great. It was really good across the board. Yeah, 100%. I mean, it, we're going back to the pressing. Gomez said uh, after the match, this happened, talking about the win, because my players were brave in pressing very high. We closed the spaces for the Forest players and we didn't allow them to play alone and take the best decisions. Repeatedly, I looked over and you could see Gomez applauding his players when we were pressing them all the way throughout the game, even when it didn't always work, it was, you could see he was backing them up completely. And I thought the player who led the line and created the whole kind of team ethos and set it up in the pressing was Bod Varsen. I thought he was excellent throughout the game. Yeah, he didn't score, but that's not what his whole game was about yesterday. It was about a lot more than that. What did you think of him, George? Yeah, no, I thought he did well. Um, like you said, the, the pressing began with him. Uh, he ran himself very hard. There were a few times that I noticed, because I kind of sit in line with 
with the striker as we're playing in the first half. We normally, you know, kick right to left or whatever. Um, and there were a few times where he wanted the ball. Uh, he was, you know, he was getting in behind and he was sort of playing on the shoulder a little bit. And he and he uh, he didn't quite get it. It didn't quite come off. But no, I mean, I thought he led the led the line very well. Um, you know, maybe one or two sort of little ropey touches, but but apart from that, I mean, I felt much comfortable, much more comfortable with Bob Varson leading the line, I think, than Mate, who's been, you know, Gomez was saying, has been carrying that ankle injury for for a while now, um, and I think it's shown over sort of his last couple of performances. Um, or Danny Loder, who you know has a big future, but let's be honest, if we're going to be going with Danny Loder as uh, one up front, we're probably not going to score enough goals to stay up, are we? Um, so, yeah, no, I thought Bob Arson, I thought Bob Arson did well. Now it's just a case of him hopefully staying fit because, you know, we've had a, a lot of games uh, where he's kind of available for a couple and then not available again for a couple. So hopefully he can, he can put a little bit of a run together and, uh, and stay fit. Yeah, that would be key, wasn't it? Because like you say, we've had multiple players who've played up front for us recently. Mm. But I think Bodvarsson's performance yesterday was easily uh, the most convincing, as it should be. He's a, you know proved he's played international football. He played last year at the World Cup uh, finals. I mean, that's a decent uh, level of striker. Is he going to get you 20 goals in a season? No, but in that situation, we probably need seven or eight from him between now and the end of the season, and that might be enough. We had two debuts as well yesterday from Ijaria and Baker. What did you make of Ijaria, Sam, in particular? Um, I thought he played really well. I thought he looked really tidy, made some good runs, um, looked really confident on the ball as well. Um, one of the things I worried about as he came in was from some of the talk we'd heard from Gerard and some of the other people who had seen him play up at Rangers, um, was he was kind of a bit of a periphery figure in the squad, um, wasn't super confident, um, maybe didn't get as much game time as um, was expected when he went up there. And he obviously struggled with homesickness, I think I heard as well. Um, but he looked incredibly confident considering it was his first game. You always expect to see a player come in and maybe not tear up trees immediately. Um, but that's a hell of a foundation um, to to start with and, and kind of run from. So hopefully going forward, we'll start to see him maybe look forward a little bit more than he did yesterday. But everything he did was was positive. Um, he he didn't lose the ball in silly positions. He just looked really comfortable. That's that's what we what we need from our midfielders at the moment. Yeah, going off the pitch. Uh, sorry, George. Going off the pitch and getting a standing ovation, kind of as on your debut, it's got to build his confidence. So what were you going to say, George? I was just going to say the thing I liked about him as well is is the thing that strikes you about him maybe when you first see him is that he's quite slender, isn't he? He's quite he's quite a thin guy. But I tell you, he was not easy to knock off the ball at all. I didn't think. I think he showed a lot of a lot of strength that I was sort of maybe surprised by. I think uh, when Baker came on as well, you could tell, and maybe this is the frustration of that sort of uh, difficult spell at Leeds. But he was he was keen to impress straight away when he came on. I think like one of the first things he did was that sort of run through midfield where he tried to take on about three or four different players at the same time. I mean, he should have probably should have scored with that one that he blazed over the bar after Bod Varton had sort of laid it back to him. Um, I know there were a lot of, there were a lot of misgivings obviously about signing, you know, another couple of midfielders, but I just think that's a bit naive when you see, you know, where, where we are this season. Um, I don't think anyone can really be uh, upset about being replaced. Um, I thought, um, so yeah, I mean, I think I think as far as debuts go, you couldn't you couldn't really have asked for more uh, from Ajaria particularly. Um, so 
No, no. If you look at how he's come in, he's come in almost to replace someone like Liam Kelly. I saw more from uh, Ijari. I know he plays sometimes in a deeper role, Kelly, but I saw a few things from him yesterday. His little jinks and turns going past one player in central midfield and kind of playing it off nicely. Those are the little moments and space that he created that exactly why he's in the team. And that's why we were moving forward instead of constantly kind of trying to defend and pressing up against the team that Forrest, yeah, of course they were disorganised. They haven't had a manager and that's been rumbling on for quite a long time, the Karanka situation. But we still have to take advantage of it. And we actually saw a John Swift goal. Now, this is a real rarity. And he claims a little bit he scored one at Brentford, but he wasn't given that goal. I thought it was a really good goal. He gave Bakuna pass the ball out, goes through the lines, then passes it to Swift. Swift gives it to Barrett. And one of his crosses actually makes it to a Reading player. And he takes it really well. Um, what did you think of the goal, Sam? Um, it was really nice build-up play. It was a really nice finish. Um, and I think all round Swift was generally uh, really good again yesterday. Um, I think he's had a tendency in all of Gomez's games to fade at certain points in the game um, and make the odd mistake, which I think you kind of expect from that kind of player. Um, but he was, yeah, I mean, he was solid again. And, and let's not forget as well, he's been quite unlucky with his free kicks. That was he had that other one that I think was just under the bar. He right footed it, and the keeper wasn't quite expecting it, and the keeper just got under it. But he's had a few now where we've started to see him willing to take those kind of chances on again. Um, and that's something he hasn't done for the last year. It might be a confidence thing. I don't know. But I think um, as long as we keep playing this system, keep playing this formation, Swift's going to come into his own as time goes on. And he looks like he's getting closer to the player that we brought in initially Understand, um, And he looks fairly happy in this system as well, which is what we want to see. Um, but yeah, in, in respect to that goal, it was it was lovely build-up play. It was good to see so many players involved. It was a really nice, uh, confident finish, um, which was really good to see. I think you've got to wonder if these sort of the competition for players in midfield now. I mean, because they brought in two players that can literally probably play anywhere across that midfield. I mean, Gomez was talking about how Ajari and Baker can both play sort of six, eight, and ten, which I think they you know they both can. Um, and what I was going to say a minute ago, before I completely lost my train of thought, <laughs> that, um, was that Ajaria lining up on the left yesterday wasn't really a surprise. I know some people were talking about it, but I did think when they brought them in, because that, that sort of three behind the striker can be fluid. And, and although he was asking Barrow to stay quite wide after a certain period yesterday, um, you know, it's not the traditional wide man role, is it? So, you, you know, you can <laughs> a lot, you can play a lot more centrally. So I did wonder when they signed Ajari and Baker whether they might try and do that because the wingers, by and large, have been so disappointing this season. Um, I did wonder, I know Harriet wasn't wasn't uh, available yesterday, but I did wonder whether we might see Ajari and Baker maybe lining up in those sort of wider areas uh, in that three behind the forward. Um, so, yeah, so I wonder if we'll see a little bit more of that going forward or, or not. Yeah, yeah, as Gomez said after the match, Baker's only played, had two um, uh, training sessions with us. That was one of the reasons he didn't start. I don't think it's impossible we could see that at Derby next week at all. He seems quite ruthless, Gomez, with his uh, decisions. I mean, I don't think any of us would have expected Kelly to be dropped after his performance at Old Trafford. How exciting is that, though, to have a player yeah. that is that put in that performance at United and he's now ready to come in if we need him. 
Um, and we, we know from that game that he fits this system and he can work in this system. Um, and again, for the first time in a really long time, we've actually got a few players in positions that you can actually say, well, that player maybe deserves to be in there and is unlucky to be dropped. And, that, and that's great. That's a good position to be in, even with a slightly smaller squad um, with some of the players leaving. It, it's, it's where we want to be. Yeah, it's totally. It's is you have to get into the team to be better than the player. Uh, for the last, well, I don't know, year or so, has been who's been the least worst, who who did okay in the last match, and now it's a matter of you're, you're Liam Kelly. You're thinking I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to up up my game even more to get in this team at the moment, and that's great if you're making changes because you know they have to come in and keep their place instead of having to kind of be just get a five or a six out of ten and you're going to keep it. So, I mean, yeah, it's how a small, a small squad can make a difference, though, right? Because if you are one of those players who's on the periphery, you're not looking at four or five midfielders potentially competing for your place. You're looking at two or three. So, you know, you're always within touching distance if you put the performances in. Whereas when you've got 27, 28 players hanging around, it, it's that much harder. Um, so, I think Gomez is definitely doing the right thing in trimming the squad. Sorry, George, I kind of jumped in there and interrupted. That's exactly the point I was going to make. It's kind of a fine line, isn't it? You're okay with having sort of two or three players on the periphery just trying their best to get in, you know, trying to work hard to get in. But but as we've seen earlier this season, when you've got 30 senior players or whatever, you can't have you can't have 10, 12 players not getting into that squad on a weekly basis. So uh, so the, yeah, they're definitely going in sort of the right way forward. I think in that in that context. But the player that's uh, standing out on a weekly basis, even though he's only played 15, 16 matches, is uh, Rin Hamota. He's just, his standards are so high now. He just seems to have exceptional game after game. Even when we've been poor, he's the one player you can say he's been good. I mean, yesterday, he's probably put in an eight. And you kind of yeah. think that's his normal level now, which is quite, quite a statement. He played two positions as well, again. Yeah, um, he's, he's unbelievable. Yeah, he's just been except, I mean, coming into the team, how he can impact it. And now having someone who's come through the system, it's just wonderful. And we got another one, I think, who also played better yesterday was uh, Richards. I think he's been helped by the support he got from Ijari in the first half because Mo Barrow, he did actually do some defending yesterday. I saw some, uh, I saw some evidence, but... He has not been helped by Mo Bar at certain points earlier in the season. <clears throat> I think he's been left stranded. I mean, I think we've probably talked about this, but it's great that we also saw uh, a team slightly lose their discipline against us because they completely rattled. <laughs> we're completely rattled <laughs> by a pressing. Uh, the sending offs were just completely stupid from Forrest, I feel. I mean, yeah. even their manager afterwards said he was disappointed in both his players. What did you think of them both, George? Yeah, um... The first one that uh, Murphy Murphy was uh, had a bit of a clash with a lorry before, didn't you? I think they felt like a lorry had wrestled into the ground in sort of near midfield, and uh, that probably was a free kick. I've only seen it once in hindsight, but I think when you play the way Murphy does, and you're sort of that seasoned sort of battering ram, you have to you have to stand strong and battle with it. You can't just you can't expect those sort of free kicks a lot of the time. I don't think so. He was frustrated, wasn't he? he launched into that tackle, which was. You know, a debatable borderline yellow to red anyway. Um, and then it kind of, that scrap was sort of right in front of me. Uh, and it was kind of, haven't seen one of those uh, with quite that intensity for a long time. 
looked like looked like it was calm, but sort of Liam Moore looked like he came over to calm it down. Uh, but then Robert Robinson, Forrest, uh, the guy who scored the own goal, he he came over and sort of he completely barged more, and that seemed to be what really sparked it. And then for some reason, Yeardom and Fox re- really got into it uh, after a while, and Fox was just. Considering he was on a yellow, who I thought Fox was awful yesterday before that red, by the way. Um, a really, really poor day for him. Um, but what he was doing, he carried that on for such a long time after it had already calmed down. Everyone had sort of simmered down a little bit. But you looked and Fox was still going at Yeardom. He was still coming forward and, and, and sort of speaking to him. And, and, and the ref was just right there watching it. And you think, you think you're going to get yourself sent off here. It was, it was crazy for a captain particularly. To, to keep going for that long. Um, the second one was, you know, the McCleary just nipped the ball away from Derek with sort of from behind, hadn't he? And then he was, it was just a late lunge of frust- probably frustration at the whole day. Um, I think that was deserved. Was there a huge amount of difference between the Derek with challenge and the Richards one in the first half? Maybe, no, say, no. as a Forest fan? No, I don't think so. I think that Richards tackle in the first half. I was slightly nervous, but the fact that the referee played on for so long, I thought that he's going to be okay. But that was, yeah, that was a kind of, if that was against us, you'd be thinking that concerned me massively. One I was worried for him in the second half as well, because inexperience, not because it was, you know, stupidity. You just make mistakes, don't you? I want to say something about Richard. So first half, I thought he played a lot better. Obviously, we mentioned him earlier on. In that first half, he did win a couple of balls, but he was flying into challenges, two or three challenges that, yeah, he won them. But I remember turning to, to my brother and saying, they're going to have to tell him to tone it down or take him off. Because he was, it's great that he's got the confidence to do it. But when you're on a yellow card and we've seen players go off this season um, uh, in games like you know, the Millwall game being probably the most recent, um, that probably cost us um, at the end of the day. Um you don't want to see another individual error, you know, cause a game to slip away. And, and I was a little bit worried at times that Richards was going to get himself sent off flying in some of those challenges. But, um, but you know, it all went well for us on the day. And, 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 and you're right. It's, um, I, I think in a way it's good that he had the call, but uh, was worrying. Yeah, no, I understand. I was a bit anxious. Going back to the kind of fight, bust up, whatever you want to call it. i got to say, I love that. Yeah. You want to see the team all going in and not being really stupid. One person I was amazed who didn't get involved was Bakuna. He's someone who I would have thought he would have loved that moment. <laughs> he he'll look back at that video, I reckon, and be really disappointed he didn't get involved. <laughs> really kind of, I had a good day. We got a win. But I missed out. I missed out. I could have had it there. It was one of those sort of things that's like, <clears throat> it was crazy because the actual the combatants in, you know, they weren't that, sort of jazzed up about it. Murphy was, you know, I think he, he'd known that he, he was, he'd made a bad tackle. Um, but, it, but it looked like it wasn't really going to develop into much. But then it's just one of those things where these players just come running in from, from sort of 50 yards away just to join in. And it's like, yeah, this, this is going to kick off big time now. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. It was good though, but what a week for Liam Moore, as I tweeted, he's kind of the birth of his son and then get involved to the three points. Get involved with the fight and not getting sent off. That is just perfect, isn't it? <laughs> that really is. That is a perfect week. <laughs> As well, I think Moore and Laurie were both very good yesterday. I thought I thought that was one of their best games together. I know Forrest didn't have much of a threat for the most part and and Murphy wasn't great. But I thought Laurie 
particularly, and this is not maybe not normally his game, I thought he stood up to that test from Murphy really well. I don't think he shirked that physical challenge at all. Um, I remember saying last week with Aloria, maybe we'll get onto this in a minute with the transfer stuff, but um, I remember saying last week that, you know, we were like, maybe if they can recoup a lot of the money they spent, then maybe it might be best, you know, if, if maybe if he went to sporting. But yesterday kind of made me, one of those performances that made me sort of see how much of an asset he can be. Um, there are a couple of sliding challenges that he made. The thing about Alori is he's so quick over that last two or three yards when he's going for maybe a loose ball or a, or a ball that's just in front of the attacker that you think, oh, he's, that attacker's going to get away. But Alori closes that space so fast that he's able to make that challenge. And he did that a couple of times yesterday. And we have no one else who can do that. Um, I think we mentioned this last week in relation to that, but I think one of the things that helps is having more next to him. Yeah. Um, not, I think you, I kind of compared him to David Luiz. Not, I think it's because you know he's going to make the odd mistake here or there, but when you've got a confident, stable um, centre-back next to you, they can kind of cover a little bit more. Um, when you're playing with Black, who's not a natural centre-back, even though he's played well there, or, or any some of the youngsters that have come in, you can't expect them to be um, playing at the same level as someone like Liam Moore and covering Elori when he does make those runs out and loses the ball here and there. It's going to happen with a player like Elori, but when you've got when you've got Moore, who is probably one of the best centre backs in the division um, uh, next to you, you know you can almost get away with taking those risks here and there. Um, so Elori with Moore, fantastic. I, you know, I think, and I think it was good to see as well. I know, as George said, we'll probably come on to this with transfers, but um, he looked really up for it. Considering, you know, the transfer talk um, around him leaving and all that kind of stuff, he looked really, really up for it yesterday. And there was no, you wouldn't have an inkling if you didn't know that he was potentially thinking of leaving. Um, no, no, you wouldn't. I, yeah, I, I would possibly say that was his best performance for Redden, Ilori. Because he didn't actually make any stupid mistakes. He quite often gives away the ball in areas around the penalty area. And you think, why are you even doing that? You don't need to prove you can do a beautiful pass. Just play it simple sometimes. But there was none of that yesterday at all. And like you said, George, he stood up to the physical challenge. <clears throat> and sometimes he kind of does shirk away from that a little bit. But no, it's good. As someone who completely gets the ethos, who seems to be understanding the ethos of uh, Redden Football Club, seems to be the manager uh, Mr. Gomez is impressing me mightily with his words. He's a, a magnificent speaker. He says all the right things at the right moments, which, you know, by come after the match saying this match was not about me, it was about the club, and these are the club that we love. You won't see in the league table about Swift, Bakuna. He's ticking all the boxes, and not only that, he's making the right decisions on the pitch. Because Clement had a little bit of that, I felt, saying the right things and getting on side with the fans. But if you're actually backing it up by making the right decisions, it makes it so much easier to get on board with him. And if you have harmony in the club, it just makes it so much nicer. I mean, what do you think of him, George? Yeah, I completely agree with everything you've said there. He's kind of, his, his brief is very clear, isn't it? Obviously, just aside from getting results, it's to bring the squad together. You know, it's trim the squad, bring them together. We've heard this stuff last week about, you know, simple things that, that you, you know, I think it was, was say, banning phones from meal times and stuff like that, getting card schools back going on the buses and stuff like that. It's sort of simple things like that, which, which, which sound really obvious, but I guess it can have an effect. I mean, maybe some people are sceptical about that, but, but I mean, 
Yeah, he says everything, right? He's clearly, he's got a remit, he's got a brief to get the fans back on side as much as possible, which is obviously where a lot of this, these, these, these good post-match quotes come from about the, you know, the fans and the family and that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, oh, just if we can just stay up, if we can just find a way to stay up, I'd be really positive about where we could go in the future with Gomez. Um, you just hope, you just hope that they can, you know, they can do it. Um, but yeah, no, I've been thoroughly impressed with him so far. I really have. He comes across to me as a manager who's, I mean, he feels like he's been at a bigger club. Yeah. But with the Yapstam situation, he always felt he was bigger than the club. Yeah. But with Gomez, I'm not feeling that. I'm feeling that he wants to be part of it and he wants to be involved and he wants to absorb it all. And that's just going to, if you back it up with wins, and like you say, George, I think if we could manage to stay up, I'm kind of feeling... I don't know, very optimistic, which is, I don't know if I've ever said this on this podcast before. <laughs> it's kind of, I'm feeling really optimistic. What are you thinking, Sam? Uh, Three-year plan, Champions League. Yeah, um, yeah definitely. No, yeah. Champions League win. <laughs> I, think, um, I think you guys have probably hit the nail on the head, to be honest, but it's, it's um, everything he said so far about, um, you know, the players that started the season are the ones that have to turn it around. He's almost put the owners back on them and said, you're the guys that fucked this up. You are now the guys that need to fix this. Um, anyone we bring in is supplementary and they're here to help you do that. But you are the guys that need to turn this round, which is really, really great. Because, again, from a, from a player point of view, he's obviously challenging them. From a fan point of view, you're seeing that he is not allowing them to shirk that responsibility. Um, he's immediately brought the fans back on side, which is something that... Rightly or wrongly, Stam didn't manage to do. I think Clement did a little bit, like you said, but it became this kind of um, almost droning kind of... Um, I don't know. I think he almost wanted sympathy. So he was saying, oh, you know, we didn't play well enough. And you can't say that every week. Um, so I, I, Gomez is saying all the right things. He's doing all the right things. We're seeing consistency in performance, consistency in uh, starting lineup formation. Um and uh, and I think he's come in and, and said all the right things in regards to the behind the scenes stuff as well, the mobile phone stuff. Yeah, you know, it screams a little bit of um, uh, you know anti technology. You could say that, but ultimately, if the players are talking to each other on the buses and maybe um, creating these links that weren't there before, and uh, I don't know, it, it, everything looks like it's it's running like clockwork at the moment, considering the position we're in and the way the season's gone so far. Um, I can't call him up on anything that he's said or done. Um, and he's, his English is great, which is, you know, again, I don't know whether it was xenophobia or not, but there was a lot of talk before he came in about whether we wanted a foreign manager who didn't understand the championship. That stuff's irrelevant now. Like, he clearly understands football, and that's all that really matters. Um, and he, he knows how to make a team play. He knows how to get a team to play, and it doesn't matter whether... Um, the division is tougher, the, the teams are more physical. We're doing it. We're showing it at the moment, every game. Um, and, and even the games we're not playing as well, and I am going to drop this one in there, even though I know it's going to get me abused. But even against Swansea, we struggled defensively, but we still pressed at the front. Um, and we still tried to keep that game plan ticking over. It didn't work in that game, clearly. But nothing has changed. We've gone into the next game, implemented the same plan, and it has worked. Um, and and we just want to. We need to keep seeing this. We need to build on something. We need consistency. The players need to know where they stand. Fans need to know where the where the, the club stands. 
it's been it's been fantastic. I can't speak highly enough about his first you know month or so in charge. It's been amazing. I think another good thing as well. This was pointed out the other day, which I agreed with. Is I mean, it's not Reading aren't alone in this. Every club has to do this now. The club media <laughs> stuff, the club media interviews and stuff, they have to put a positive spin on things, even if it's the worst situation in the world. But you saw Gomez last week. I don't know if you saw the interview, but he called up the guys sort of when he said, you know, we've seen a lot of good performances recently and then he sort of interjects and says you know we need good results you know he's not happy to go along with any sort of not false narrative but any sort of exaggerated narrative if you know if the if, if it's not there um he he can be straight to the point but he can be and it, and it just frustrates me because uh, you just feel like if we'd had this system in place, if we'd have had him for an extra few weeks or if we'd had him for an extra month or so, I don't think we'd, I don't, not even convinced <laughs> we would, I think we'd be clear, you know, it's kind of, it just frustrates you because it just makes, you just wanted Clement to, to have an identity, to have a way of playing, to see if he could have done something, you know, to have left us up because the talent is there in the squad. I think we've seen that. We certainly saw that yesterday. They should not be in the position that they're in with the players they have on paper, but maybe it just needed someone to come in and, and have a clear identity and to have a clear, you know, way that they wanted to do things. I mean, I'm, it makes you think this stuff about the phones and that and how, you know, Yakola I don't think would have mentioned that unless he thought it was having a positive effect. Yeah. Um, and it just makes you wonder how things were sort of running under Clement behind the scenes a little bit, maybe. Um, it sounds like it, you know, maybe wasn't a great, a particularly good atmosphere. Um, it sounds a bit chaotic, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally. It doesn't sound like a settled ship at all. I mean, who knows whether it's a coincidence or not, whether we've seen the best team performance, kind of team spirit with the fight and all these kind of things. Um, after we've had the ban on their phones, nobody can ever say for certain because the, the events could have happened anyway. But um, one mystery that came out of, out of the um, uh, quote about the card games, anyone know what the game Werewolf is? I've never heard of this game. No, <laughs> that, is, no. No, that, is, that is obviously something for uh, people. Uh, yeah, I don't know what that is. So if anyone does know what that is, let me know. I, don't, I can't be bothered to Google it. Just tell me. So, <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's good to see, isn't it? Spirit and the fans on board. And when you're walking out the ground, just having that feeling is just great because you feel as one. And as Gomez is saying, it's a family. Once you build that ethos, it's us against everyone else. Ferguson did this for years at Manchester United. It's us against everyone in a slightly different style. It's him against the press. But it's just it's so nice to have that back again and have a clear identity, as you were saying, George, because we haven't had one for a long time. And one that fans that like and enjoy seeing us press up high, we can play possession football almost on the silent because fans don't notice it. If you press high at Reading, you're fine. That was the big difference between that Dutch bloke, who I don't want to mention again, who <laughs> we played a different style, but essentially it's possession football, but it's much higher at the pitch. Because I looked at a heat map, and Yadam is on, he's on the halfway line and centre midfield almost from yesterday, which is slightly strange, even against 10 men for some of the match. But also, I want to talk a little bit about the South Stand, and obviously Sam Stevens is one of the kind of what would you say, founder members of it, Sam? Maybe. Uh, yeah, a number of a number of people involved. But yeah, I was one of one of the guys um, who put it forward to the club. Yeah, yesterday uh, we noticed the flags in the south stand, and uh, I thought they looked really good. Is that going to be an ongoing thing? 
Yeah, so we've obviously across the stadium as a whole, numbers have been dropping and dropping and dropping. Um, we've had a problem with people spreading out. So ideally, we'd like to get people, you know, crushed in together. But one of the things that we thought might make it look a little bit more populated and feel a little bit more, I, I don't even know what it is, but when you watch like some of the bigger teams in the Premier League coming out and they've got flags waving and stuff in, in the in the stadium, it just looks good, right? Um and we tried to make a bit more noise um, yesterday, which was a lot easier given the given the result. Um, I think we're aware as a group that things haven't gone as well as we planned for them to go. Um, however, um, uh, you know, we, we're also aware that you can't instill positivity when you're losing seven, eight, nine games on the bounce. It's just it's impossible. Um, and so, yeah, a combination of the flags, having more people singing, trying to introduce some more songs, which people will hopefully pick up on as they kind of grow. Um, also, if we can grow our number base, that's the most important thing. It's been it's been really, really good fun, actually, um, when we have been winning games, to have more people singing in that area, focused on doing that kind of thing. Um, and despite the fact that there are fans all around the stadium who have fair, in, you know, fair enough to have your own views on what we're doing, um, we uh, th there are a number of reasons why we are where we are. I think I explained them earlier on in the season. We've actually recently put out a thread which has a few swear words just to prove a point. You know, we do swear. Um, we're not elite fans, um, but ultimately it's it's just a bit of fun. Um, and it, it was great fun yesterday. Um, we want to continue doing that. Yeah, it's just a different part of supporting the team. There's no it's better, worse. It's just a different part. And like you say, the one factor that you can't control are the results. And once you start getting results, the stadium as a whole, not just the south stand, will be more full. And once you get an area that's a singing area and people get involved in it and there's kind of, oh, yeah, we've seen a win. Were you there? You can stand there with your mates. You can be there. There's no you can you're not worrying about booking all the seats together. Then it will come. And yeah. then we will say, oh, they've started this. You're going through the kind of uh, kind of um, bit of a traumatic period because we keep on losing. <laughs> but it's going to I think Philly is going to be work out really well in the long term. And when we get the uh, uh, championship title, Sam, <laughs> and that ends full, you'll look back and you'll say, yes, I'm a proud father. <laughs> <It's kind> of... <laughs> this, the whole stadium was louder yesterday, though, right? It was great Thanks. to hear the East Stand going at it. Um, the North Stand, the West, even like it was. It was great. Yeah, to you said that before we started recording. Yeah, West, and I'm not sure. I don't think that's hype. <laughs> the West, the West made some noise. Um, but, Russell but the point of their is, backs. it was. It yeah. was. It was great to hear everybody having a. I mean, look, a result's going to induce a better atmosphere. That that goes without saying. It helps when you actually can get behind the style of football. Obviously, understand we had good football, but the atmospheres weren't quite there. Um, if we can marry the two together, I think we can get back to... It's not about being the loudest. It's not about being the most aggressive fans in the league and having fans come to us and say, wow, what an atmosphere. It's just about having a good time as a fan, enjoying the matchday experience. Um, and uh, and we all have a great time in the South Stand. Um, and uh, I'll just quickly end the South Stand stuff, if that's OK, by saying that if anyone's got any ideas or anything they want to add, you know, we've got a bit of money to use, Um if anyone wants to create displays or anything like that, contact us on Twitter or Facebook. Um, if anyone wants to do anything or has any ideas, contact us and we'll listen to you and get you along to a meeting or something and we'll have a chat about it and hopefully keep improving things alongside the football. Yeah, no, well, I think it's going to be good. Like I've said, 
and uh, definitely get in touch with Sam or get involved with the uh, Twitter and send them ideas. Is it Club 871871? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, cool. Let's move on to the transfers then. So which of these players are we going to see leave? Which ones are we going to be getting in? We're not quite sure on the ones we're going to be getting. There's one very interesting player that we were linked with a couple of days ago, but we'll come on to him in a minute. Um, yeah, that's a legal minefield, so we'll be careful <laughs> on that one. Yeah. Um, we've obviously seen Josh Sims leave. We've seen Dave Edwards uh, leave as well. Uh, both <laughs> those players gave as much as they had. Um, no real issues with them at all. Um it's a matter of who we're going to get in now. Um, we've been linked with this Ruben Semedo. Uh, George, um, do you want to talk through this bloke's history? It's quite an interesting and varied one, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I must admit, I haven't looked that closely at it. So, I mean, I know he's been uh, accused. I don't know if you know a bit more than me about I it. I do know a little bit more. I will tell you that he was last uh, year... He was in that. Wow, it's, it's, it's kind of trying to think of the best way to put this. Just say allegedly. And somehow he managed to have a gun with him on his night out, allegedly, <laughs> yeah. and uh, held someone up. Um, he was arrested for that, then released. Then a few months later, he was at uh, another club uh, in Spain, and uh, he then got caught up in a situation when there was a burglary going on. And uh, he well, uh, reportedly and allegedly, I will put these words in, uh, kidnapped someone, and as you do on a Saturday night out. You know, it could happen to any of us. And uh, then uh, there was also talks of if stuff even more extreme. But I mean, whether all these things are true or not, he's out on bail now. And Fred's to actually <laughs> sign for us. I mean, this is not a good conversation, is it? <laughs> he's out on bail. <laughs> If, if we're going to sign this player, wow. I just, I mean, he looks like a really talented player. That is definitely true. So that's, he looks like another Drente, but even more of a volatile character. Um, yeah, he, that, that worries me. Just as a, just looking at someone with that history, George, what do you think? Yeah, uh, I mean, people say they want a couple more, you know, players to rough it up a little bit and stuff. So there's one, there's one that sounds like he could definitely come in and uh, and have a bit of an impact. You know, I mean... Whether that's the sort of character you want to be signing is 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 doubtful, I guess. Um, I mean, he, as he's Portuguese, I guess we're going to be linked to any Portuguese player that might be available over the next over the next couple of weeks. Um, I mean, you don't sign for you don't play for Sporting at a high level and sign for Villarreal and stuff unless you you know you've got something about you. But uh, yeah, whether that's the right character or not is uh, is certainly doubtful. He's been on loan. Was he on loan at Huesca? Was it? Yes. Right. Yeah. That's where he was, and he was released, wasn't he? Because his manager said he didn't respect our values. Ah. Uh, Which is not great, and that was only last week. <laughs> I mean, not to judge a situation I don't know huge a huge amount about, but it sounds like one to steer clear of to me. Uh, it does. It does. He sounds like another one of those ones where he's incredibly talented. But for whatever reasons, there's, I read some things about his family and, and upbringing, and there's lots of issues there which were there from a childhood. He hasn't had a simple life. So I, it's, this is how this has happened. But, Sam, um, would you be looking forward to um, uh, going to uh, a fans meeting with uh, Ruben Semedo? Yes. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I, I think <laughs> I think on this front, though, I would I would trust Gomez because everything he's done and said to date has been spot on. Um if for whatever reason he felt or someone behind the scenes felt this guy 
could work at Reading and wouldn't cause a problem. I don't think it really matters to the fans as long as they perform on the pitch. Um, but, you know, it sounds risky, sounds dangerous. He doesn't sound like a great guy. Um, but, yeah, I just I just don't think at the end of the day the fans would care that much if he came in, kept his head down and did a good job. Um, but whether or not it will happen, I don't know. I think, uh, I think we would need a centre-back if we sold a lorry because I just, I mean, I'm not sure, I haven't, see much of Samedo, so I couldn't say whether he's a similar sort of player. Um, but the, this Blackett thing sounds like it's still going on as well. Um, I know we spoke a lot about this last week. Um, and there was the stuff with Paul McShane during the week, you know, uh, it turned out to not be true that he was on that list of players that, uh, that has effectively been frozen out of the first team picture. Um, but I mean, if they if they do sell a lorry and black it, you know, you, you you can't imagine. I know they have Osho and McIntyre, or McIntyre's obviously injured, but I know they have those there as well. But it's hard to see them relying on just sort of McShane and O'Shea um, alongside more, really, uh, as the options alongside more. So that I, I think they definitely, if we're there being linked to centre backs, uh, it suggests that you know this lorry thing might well happen. Um, but the thing about Blackett is as well is they'll need. You know, not only will they need to reinforce centre back a little bit, but they will need to get a left back as well if if they get rid of Blackett because there's no way they can just have Richards covering that position on his own until Abita gets back, which you know might not might not be this season. I don't know. I don't think anyone really knows. Um, no, because I mean, the only way you could possibly counter that with the left back is you'd have to switch the Adam over to the left back and play Chris Gunter, and I don't really want to see that. That's nothing against Chris Gunter. I just don't think he's... It doesn't work. Well, I've seen it before, how that system works. And I think we need to get an actual, you know, recognised left-back. And we don't know what's going to happen with Jordan Abita. We've, we've talked through this loads of times. And um, we can't be guaranteed that he's going to come back or what level he's going to come back. So I think we need to get a left-back and possibly a centre-back, depending on the scenario. We've also been linked with a goalkeeper, Joel Pereira of Manchester United. Um, I see a lot of fans think that we desperately need to sign a goalkeeper. Um, I'm, I'm not so convinced that we need one massively. What do you think, George? Do you think we really, is that a priority area right now? At the start of the month, I might have said, been more forceful in saying yes. I think... I think my opinion on this changes. However, Yakola tends to perform with his feet on a weekly basis, really. If there's a game where he's really struggled uh, distribution-wise, you know, these little passes out and stuff, he gets us into trouble, then then you would say yes. But I don't think we've really seen that in the last week, <laughs> couple of weeks. There was nothing like that at United, really. There was nothing like that yesterday. There were maybe a couple of goal kicks where Forrest did the thing which you're always going to get with these short goal kicks where they push the three up and you're thinking, right, just don't even mess around with it now. You've got Bod Barson up there if needs be. Just sort of send it his way. Um, but unless... They're going to have to get rid of... They're going to have to get rid of Manone before they can before they bring a keeper in, you would have thought as well. They surely can't be carrying four senior goalkeepers at the same time. Um you know, it just depends on Gomez. If he doesn't think Yakola's up to the kind of football that he wants to play and the kind of distribution that he wants to see, then then you know, then he probably will. But but I'd say we're more in need. We will be more in need of a centre back if we do any outgoing business this week. And I still think that we need a forward as well. No, I totally agree on the forward as well, especially if Mato with his injury which Gomez said that hey, he's been brave in the last few games, but he needs to be missing out and come back when he's fully fit because he hasn't looked right. 
he's looked like he's running at 50%. I mean, kind of credit to him for playing, because obviously some players in that situation wouldn't have done that. But uh, we do need someone in there. Um, do you agree on that, Sam? Striker, oh, centre-back? Yeah, I mean, I'm still not entirely convinced on Mate generally, to be honest. I think even when he was playing well, he created some goals for himself, which was great. But I think his first touch is... I think 50% of the time is great. 50% of the time is atrocious. Um, and uh, when you're not creating that many chances, you you can't be knocking a ball 10 yards in front of you, you know, when someone passes a ball to you. It, it just, you've got to be more consistent than that. And maybe, you know, he's still reasonably young. I think he's 22, 23, something like that, right? Um, so he might get better over time. One thing I do like with Mate is his strength, but he's had a few injuries, how long it's going to take him to get fit. I don't think we can really wait around. Um, Bob Barson's also been in and out with injuries recently. Um, so, and, and Bulldog doesn't look like he's going to feature that much uh, going forward. So I think we definitely need someone to play up there. Definitely. Um, uh, it just, we just need to do it more so to cover injuries than anything else. It'd be great to have a striker who could score 15 goals between now and the end of the season, but that's not really going to happen. It's not likely. Um, but it, for me, it's more just looking at the, the situation with the strikers we've got and how often they've been injured this season. That's the reason why I think we need to go out and get another striker more than anything else. Yeah, yeah, I don't want to get involved in the injury situation at Reading again because <laughs> that is the debate that we could have for a separate podcast about, isn't it? So we've got Derby County coming up next weekend. Our record at Derby is actually not bad at all if you look at it as a whole over the last 10, 15 years. We um, last season, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah, we did, 4-2. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, we did. I think Dave Edwards scored that day. Yeah. Possibly. Yeah. yeah, that's amazing. He's not even here and he's come up twice in his podcast. This is, this is what we needed. We played Forest at home and we've got a really good record. Derby away, yes. we've got a very good record. We got yeah, it. Was it last we got season it. we played really well against Forest, beaten three one. Swift scored, and then we went to Derby in the same week as well. Yeah, it might not have been, but I think they were fairly close to each other. And, and I think they were that, close to each other. Yeah, Barrow scored in that game as well, didn't he last season? Yeah, and Aluko scored the first goal, a really good goal. But I mean, who knows? You're coming to the team. Derby aren't in the best of form. Only one win in their last six. But, I mean, they lost to uh, Leeds United on Friday, which is obviously no disgrace. They're at the top of the league, aren't they? And they're doing really well. Um, it's really hard not to mention Derby County and binoculars spying at the moment, isn't it? Because yeah. if I was yeah, at the red training ground, I'd be putting up extra fencing, maybe more dog <laughs> patrols. You need, you need to be careful. What a strange situation that is. Um, yeah, that's weird. And I think it was on public property as well. So... It's not even, yeah, it's very, very weird. Very, very weird. And the way that Basella comes out afterwards and then says, oh, I've done this for years. It's not a problem. But this isn't a lead surf podcast, so let's move on from that. <laughs> <laughs> it does, it's just so weird. I had to go there. <laughs> oh, dear. So what do you think, Darby, next week, um, uh, George? Do you think we're going to do okay there? Uh, I hope so. I hope so. Um, I presume they're going to go into it, like Sam was saying before, they go into these games with the same idea of how they want to play generally, regardless of who the opposition is. So I'm assuming they're going to go there and, and you know, still try and, you know, put, press themselves into the game, press again and try and keep 
people as much as possible. I think it's a shame that uh, that we, we didn't have another, you know, winnable, quote, winnable game on paper after the Forest because it kind of, we'd have had another home game or a, or a bit of an easier away trip. You might have, you know, a real chance to build some momentum. But this is, you know, Derby aren't in the greatest form, like you said, but but this is a tough game. Um, Derby have got some good players. Uh, I'm not sure if Harry Wilson's fit at the moment, but he's certainly one of their one of their better players. Um, I think if we could go there and get a point, I'd be I'd be perfectly happy with that. I think that would be a, a good result for us. I mean, I haven't seen the rearrange. Is it Bolton after? Uh, yeah, after it's Bolton. So that's been moved to the yeah. midweek afterwards. That's a huge match. Um, if we if we can get something from Derby and then head into that Bolton game with you know a decent couple of performances, a decent couple of results, I think that 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 would be really massive for us. Especially as Villa, we got Villa coming to town after that. I know they were turned over by Wigan Bazali. Uh, yesterday but uh, but you think that's going to be a difficult game as well um so yeah i mean i'd love to say we go there and win i mean possibly not but i mean you know a draw would be would be perfectly acceptable i think oh yeah 100% if we go there and manage to get a point and actually play okay as well um that's all positives isn't it because we're consistently getting good performance then swansea becomes the unusual performance which yeah. is perfect because then you're seeing a pattern of play and players are getting into the team and you know, hopefully that will happen. Uh, Sam, what are you going to say? I'm going to say, for, I'm going to go for, I'm going to say we're going to get a two-all draw. I just got this feeling with Derby. Um, I've got a feeling we're going to win. Uh, I, I'm i going to go one-nil. Um, I think we are looking competitive in the vast majority of the games we've seen under Gomez. And I think we'll continue to, I don't think we're going to score loads of goals, but I think we've got a good chance of going up there and getting a win. They're not playing that well at the moment. Um, we seem to be in a not a run of form, but a, a run of good performances for the most part. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm fairly confident we can go up there and, and, and at least challenge them and hopefully get a goal. Um, yeah, I'd like to see that. And I've also should apologise because I did call them by their proper name. They are Frank Lampard's Derby County. <laughs> I don't know why I made that mistake. It's very poor of me. We should know that we played them on the first day of the season. <laughs> So I do apologise to any Derby fans that are listening. I know you've got no history at all. It was all when <laughs> Frank came that it changed, wasn't it? So if you do want to... Yeah, sorry. If you want to have a bet on that game, obviously do it through Fans Bet, which is obviously the best bookies you could possibly ever find, uh, with our partnership and choose our Elm Park roles. Obviously, if you've enjoyed the podcast, go to iTunes and give us uh, five-star ratings if you like. That would be the best. We'd like that mm-hmm. one. And um, uh, I will be back probably with a pretty much po- podcast, uh, Periscope on uh, Friday night, do one after this, and we'll be back with the podcast next week. So hopefully talking about another good performance, maybe a draw, we can dream about a win, but it's all been a good week. So thanks for listening. Cheers. <laughs>